Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon Games and Bearded Dragon Games. You can support us at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. This is Eternal Dirtles! Eternal Dirtles is a Hipsters of the Coast podcast sponsored by Paragon City Games and by listeners like you. You can support Eternal Dirtles at patreon.com slash eternal dirtles. And now, your hosts, Zach Clark, Nathan Golia, and Phil Blackman. And now, Eternal Hello and welcome to Eternal Dirtles. I'm your host, Zach Clark, and with me this week, Phil Blackman. Phil, how's it going? It's me. It's me. It's P-E-B. My, my middle initial is E, so I can I can make it sound like it's rhythmically correct. My middle in initial is A, so that my initials actually spell my name. My initials are Z-A-C. That's actually really hot. Did your parents like <laughs> plan that, or was that uh, coincidental? Uh, my, dad, my dad came up with that, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that's actually One of them really did, great. Right? That's awesome. That that there, there, there's nothing that we're gonna say that's gonna be cooler than that. This episode. All right. Well, it's been great having you on the guys. Cast and... Thank you so much. Uh, think about that when you're naming your children. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Actually. Uh. You know. Not that I'm having a kid anytime soon, but uh, we're gonna. The the plan is to uh do the same thing with our uh our firstborn, but she or he will have my initials. Oh, I was gonna say if if your firstborn is a uh, J. And then it's J-A, then you can have your kid named Jack. Yep, we could do that. I mean, there's so many possibilities. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of flexibility. <laughs> Literal here. infinite possibilities at, uh, for naming names. You can just, The, the child no naming metagame is wide open right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, let's, let's uh, speaking of metagame, let's pop into the, uh, the um, Goldfish metagame and see uh, what, what the top decks are and sort of talk about what, what the legacy metagame looks like right now and and what we can expect for we basically don't have anything going on for the next like three months right so there's as far as i know there's no major event until scg syracuse in march uh which is legacy yeah it's a long but i i think that during the holiday season where there's no major events coming up and people have a little bit of extra time at uh off of work and they get to jam a little bit more i think Thinking about not having any major events for several months as essentially an off season. Uh, I mean, that's the way I, I've been thinking about it is we're about to enter or we are in a off season where actually experimenting and brewing and attacking this metagame that we currently see uh, with cards that don't see the light of day. Now is the time to actually be brewing and trying that stuff out. Yeah, because you're not preparing for any major tournaments. And you know that the metagame is 
pretty much going to stay static until another major event happens. So actually experimenting and finding uh, maybe holes that the format didn't like wasn't it being exploited by before is going to be useful now that there's time to actually do that. Yeah, I agree. Um, so let, let's uh, let's look at the metagame currently as as it stands. Yeah. Um, so we've got Miracles at uh, 6.5% of the meta. Grixis Control at 5.8. Uh, Sneak and Show at 8.4. Uh, Eldrazi Post at a uh, sleek 4.5. Dredge at 4.15. Uh, tied with Ad Nauseam Tendrils. Um, then we've got uh, Eldrazi Stompy at... Uh, 4.15 and uh, a uh, looks like a tie for eighth place between Grixis Delver and uh, Blue Black Death Shadow. Yeah, so I mean, if you actually look at those, uh, like, so the two Delver decks, Shadow and Grixis Delver, mm -hmm. uh, together, that means that they're really sharing 7% of the field. Yeah. So you're going to run into Delver uh, pretty much the same amount that you would expect to run into Miracles. Mm -hmm. uh, the actual thing that you're going to run into most, though, is Ancient Tomb Chalice. Uh, there's Eldrazi post at four and a half percent and Eldrazi also a little bit over 4%. So, yeah. uh, essentially the chalice deck makes up, uh, nine, like closer to eight, 9% of the field. Yeah. Um, so that's actually the, the highest percentage deck by like a very slim margin, but expect to be running, like looking at these lists, I would think that you're going to see your combo decks of choice are give or take going to be sneak and show dredge or ad nauseum. They all share pretty much the same percentage of the field, mm -hmm. but then your actual, likelihood is you're going to run in mostly into uh chalice eldrazi flavor of choice uh and then grixis or death uh shadow delver and then under that or on par with that you'll run into miracles and grixis yeah so if we if we break that down even further so right we, we've got uh eldrazi post uh, let, let's just say eldrazi as a as a deck right yeah at eight percent then we've got uh a delver your flavor of choice uh at like seven percent Yep. Then you have Miracles, then uh, Grixis Control, then Sneak and Show. So what's that? Uh, five. Uh, Dredge, Ad Nauseam, and you can expect uh, another uh, uh, Delver deck, Blue Red Delver, uh, and Reanimator after that. So if if we if we lump everything up together uh, to make to make a top eight where these things aren't so uh, you know these homogenous decks are actually counted as like one one type of deck. Delver looks like it, it comes in at like 11%. Um, yeah, and that is, you know, just your Delver Days decks are just, that's where they're, you know, there's infinite ways to make that shell happen. I always thought of Delver Days Wasteland style decks as just like the same package as like a Stoneforge Mystic plus equipment. Yeah. You know, it's just like you can, you have these shell of blue cards and then you can just put anything else you want around it. Just the way, like you have the Stoneforge mystic package and then you decide if you want to put creatures or cantrips around it, you know? Yeah. Um, so that, that's interesting to look at, to look at that, it that way and, and sort of, uh, have an idea of how you want to sideboard, uh, in, in that, right? Like if you're looking to, uh, if you're looking at a metagame that looks like this, you don't have to, you know, you get a much better idea of what, what your sideboarding choices should be. Yeah, and the things to notice, too, is that when you are thinking about that, I mean, granted, when you go to a paper legacy event, like, a lot of people are going to be playing what they're playing, yeah. uh, like, what they own, right? Like, you're going to run into some number of lands, decks, and depths decks, but that's just because those people have Mox Diamonds. Yeah. Um, for, same thing with Four Color Loam, you know, like, the Mox Diamond decks, like, if people have Mox Diamonds, they'll be playing a Mox Diamond deck. Mm -hmm. um, 
But also, if you just look at the current metagame as it sits, at least on MTG Goldfish, one deck that is entirely off the map is DNT. So yeah, I don't see right now. There. You don't really have to prepare. According to this metagame, I mean, that, that, this is uh, obviously this is an online metagame. This is not paper. Like if people like playing their DNT decks, DNT decks in paper, they're gonna play them. But according to this, those numbers are like the number of DNT players is way down. Yeah, that's uh, it. That's so much so that it's not even it's not even registered. And uh, two f- variants of Dredge are. Yeah, not even listed under budget decks. <laughs> yeah, it's just it's it's nowhere to be found gone. Uh, for being one of the decks that was one of the most popular right after the banning. Uh, it is now just out of nowhere because there's a lot of gold fishing going on in the format, and that's tough for DNT. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you've got Thalia as your as your only real answer to that sort of thing, and and, and to an extent, Chancellor of the uh, not Chancellor of the Annex, the uh, uh, Prelate. Um, yeah, the the and the the issues with those obviously are they do nothing against a wide percentage of the field being Chalice decks. Uh, Thalia is kind of garbage there. And uh, I mean, it's still like if you, you have 5% of sneak and show around, so they can still do work there. But uh, the little sneak preview, we're going to discuss a couple of cards that might be able to bring that deck back. Uh, it's infinitely customizable. So, you know, things like uh, Rin Wingmare, is that what it is? Rin, yeah. Uh, yeah, the, the unicorn or whatever, the horse. Pegasus, uh, that's man. Pretty much it's just a, a three mana Thalia that flies. Yeah. Uh, um, but that's that's a possibility if people are like if we're in a really spell dense format. Uh, but that card also will not do anything against Eldrazi. But you know you have to pick and choose what decks you want to lose to in this format. Yeah. Um. So you know, we, we, looking at looking at uh the the meta game, obviously we can we can draw our own conclusions as to, as to how we want to sideboard. But uh, when it comes to our main deck. Let me tell you something, brother. You're here listening to this Eternal Dirtles podcast, but what you need to do is go over to Eternal Dirtles Patreon, www.patreon.com slash Eternal Dirtles, and show your support, brother. Yeah. Right? Like what we want to build to play at a tournament. Um, you know, we kind of have a lot, we, we obviously have a lot of choices to begin with, but, um, I think for the next couple of months, this is a, this is a brewer's dream because there's nothing like major going on. So you can go to your local with, with something sort of janky and, and see how you're going to do. And there's no real, uh, opportunity loss there. Unless you are like 100%, I am on one of these decks and I'm just going to like fine tune it against what else is around because I enjoy playing it. And I think it's the best thing going on. I, I think you're incentivized to, to, to experiment right now because you don't have any major events coming up where you would otherwise need to put that time into figuring out your sideboard and, you know, the flex slots in your main. Yeah. Um, so uh, with that in mind, let's talk about some of the newer cards that we've seen and, and ways that we can possibly slot them into uh, either new archetypes or decks that uh, currently exist. Yeah, so like we came up with a list of each uh, cards we each thought would be interesting uh, in the format that have may have seen a little bit of play or are on the fringes that just need uh, a home to be found or some other enabler to pair with it. But they're all like very powerful cards that just need to find a shell. And I think there's potentially shells out there for them. Uh, but we'll start with your cards. Uh, the first one, which is actually making waves in every format, is Arc Like Phoenix. And I know Nate was also 
really yeah. high, was brewing with ArcLight as well for a while. Nate was on that Mardu list that he uh, that he came up with. Yeah. Um, that said, uh, there are a lot of people that are just taking this and throwing it into a blue red shell and like removing the pyromancers to just have a, a like basically another Delver. Yeah, I mean, when we were seeing the blue-red Delver decks uh, on this uh, metagame share, it's kind of interesting to just be, if you're on uh, Delvers and Arclight Phoenixes, then you have a really strong, uh, redundant game plan in the air. Yeah. And you're on a lot of cheap spells, so that actually is uh, super interesting. I'm, I'm curious to think, like, I know he was putting it in Mardu, but it seems kind of strange to not want to be putting it in with you know the the turbo xerox um game plan right yeah uh i mean one of the things you can do is you know you've got you've got access to faithful suiting in both in both styles of deck of course but um you know you've got uh uh what's called uh car uh sorry uh you've got cards like uh thought scour that can get it into your yard as well um, you know, there's, there's a lot of ways to, to just put this card into your yard and then gain incidental value by casting three spells. Uh, you have so many cards that just like, don't lose you a card that you can set yourself up for a turn where you m might have two or three Arclight Phoenixes in the yard and then you just cast three spells and win. Well, the card that I think is on also very much just on the fringes of being legacy playable. I know I was trying it out, uh, with, uh, some people when it first came out was chart, of course. Mm-hmm. And in a deck like with your Delvers and probably, you know, I imagine some other cheap threats as well, on top of the Arc Lights, you can cast it as a two mana way to get Arc Light into your yard, or you can just use it as a two mana divination in other situations, you know? So, like, uh, if you're on a blue red deck where you're playing bolts and chain lightnings and things like that, having a, a value card is actually really useful. One, you can dump Arc Lights, but then two, you can also get rid of. Uh, extra lands or chafe from a cantrip. Yeah, I think the 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 main thing holding this deck back, um, the Arclight Phoenix uh like uh, shell of of Blue Red Delver is that you can't just do this on your opponent's turn. So you can't really play Dazes, um, with with this card, right? Like it, you have to be doing it on your turn or before your combat step. So unless you, uh, you know, you really have uh. Uh, a way to make your opponent cast spells before you attack, which yeah. doesn't often happen. Um, yeah, it does. It it's not conducive to that. So, one of the things I think you you tend to do with with a deck like this is you're ba basically you're shaving the the dazes. You're playing, uh, you know, chain lightnings. You're playing, uh, lightning bolts. You know, you're being as you're you're being as proactive as possible. Um, in yeah. a deck like this. I mean, also, I'm, I'm curious. I mean, I viscerally hate burn with a passion, but I mean, is there a world where burn just takes on uh, faithless looting and arc lights and has a, a, a transformative way to beat through people trying to just trade with like spell pierces and stuff? Well, it's funny you should say that. So, right, it, maybe that would have been the case before the set came out, right? And if if Arclight Phoenix had not existed at the exact same time as Risk Factor. Yeah, Risk Factor is another big one. So, Risk Factor is another card we wanted to talk about, and that card is seeing play in in almost every list that can deal damage, uh, that, that wants it's, to deal damage. It's two and a red for an instant. That is a Punisher mechanic. It lets your opponent decide if they want to either take four to the face. Or you draw three cards, and then it has jumpstart. 
Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, that, that's it's just super good. It's really good in that fact that it's, it's an instant. So you get to like pick and choose your battles. Yeah. Uh, yeah, casting this during your opponent's turn and just being like, do I draw three cards or do you take four? In a deck like Burn, where you want to take, where you just want your opponent to take four most of the time, anyhow, they're almost never not going to take four, uh, because drawing three cards just means like nine damage to the face. Yeah, it's, um, it's, in that type of build, it's very much a matter of like you don't the, the punisher mechanic being, you know, usually they're not good, but in that style of deck where both modes do the same thing, whether they take it or they let you draw cards, yeah, uh, makes it so that it offsets that. Well, it's like, I mean, the best thing you can do to this card is dissipate it. <laughs> you know, like, no one's casting spells like that in, in, in uh, Legacy, you know? Yeah, there's no Force Spike that exiles. Yeah. Um, I, get, I mean, like, again, you could you could uh, argue that uh, Invasive Surgery would be good, but it's an instant, not a sorcery, so... It, it's and also at the point where you would need Delirium for that, too. and uh, Hard to pull off, yeah. Not only that, I mean, granted, like, even if there was a uh invasive surgery that hit instants and sorceries like just getting to delirium is also just a tough tough thing to be doing unless you're in a deck that's naturally built to get you all those card types yeah um yeah so so we've covered risk factor uh the other card uh that i that uh you brought up but i i wanted i really wanted to talk about after you uh said something was uh, uh an older card uh visions from beyond yeah, Visions of Beyond is it's a blue to draw card at, for an instant. Or if either player has twenty cards in their graveyard, you ancestral. Yeah, that's then, ridiculous. Yeah, I was thinking of like when you think of the card more of a split card where it's blue cycle or delve twenty ancestral. That's like in my mind where you would think of how to find shells for the deck because when treasure cruise around treasure cruise at delve seven was busted as shit right yeah like, of course so granted it's like a way steeper cost but people were doing things to get their you know they were just playing probes and a bunch of one mana spells to just fill their yard and just throw them at their opponent's face and then just reload with an ancestral so i guess the question is so here's an arc light phoenix situation right like you're already working towards putting a bunch of cards in your yard because you want to hit as many Arclight Phoenixes as possible. What does a shelf for this card look like? You know, you want, you could play Arclight Phoenixes. You could play Flamewake Phoenixes, I guess. You could play, uh, you know, th there's a whole bunch of stuff that you could that you could play to, like, maximize this. But those cards come out of your graveyard, which is sort of uh, not conducive to drawing three cards. That said, you don't win the game when you draw three cards. You just have three more cards in your hand. Yeah, I was thinking of you need things to pair alongside it. Uh, I mean, if you wanted to go down the Arclight Phoenix route with that, I mean, the the big cards that I was thinking in a cheap, uh, essentially like a, a Turbo Visions deck was going back to what um, people had done before with Young Pyromancer, but then also Thing in the Ice as a uh, additional creature to close the door. Yeah. Uh, if you're just going to be on like the Turbo Xerox plan, um, because then you can still do things like on on those two threats, you can still do things like the uh, the Xerox cantrips and days and all that good stuff, and then you just get to reload by trading a bunch of resources. And then if you're in with 
you know, bolts and whatnot. And just, you know, you're, you're trying to just exchange a bunch of cards and then essentially ancestral them out. Right. So, yeah. So I think like turning on this card would, would in, require you to play with thought scour, right? Like I think thought scour would be like a must if you're going to play with this card. It makes me want like if you're on, I, I'm more interested in, in Arclight Phoenix and that type of, uh, world because mm-hmm. also you can naturally be on faithless looting in that world too yeah uh, granted you'd have to figure out a lot of you know where you want to actually draw the line on how many lands to play and things like that but it's an interesting idea because it's incentivizing you to trade off delve creatures so instead of you know i'm going to play thought scour in order to delve them away for a five five you're going i'm playing thought scour to turn on my ancestrals and then bury somebody under cards so if that's the game plan, you either need to get them dead very quickly, which is incentivizes me to want to go towards bolt and chain lightning, mm-hmm. or you want to just constantly be trading resources, in which case I'm more drawn towards things like Young Peasy. Yeah, so here's what I was thinking is uh, back during uh, Treasure Cruises era, a lot of burn players just, you know, played Volcanic Island so that they could cast Treasure Cruise. The, literally the only yeah. blue card in the deck, right? Because it was so good. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 one of these things where we get into a world where we're discussing how do we fill our yard, and you have the 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 engine that I thought was uh, fascinating with it uh, was um, I saw Mission Briefing, the the new spell based yeah. Snapcaster mage. So it's blue blue with surveil two, and then it just has Snapcaster's text pretty much. Sure. Um, except you. It it's not target. flashback, so you yeah, can yeah. cast alternative costs, which is important for like Force of Will and Days and things like mm-hmm. that. Um, but that card was showing up alongside Mental Note and Thought Scour in uh, High Tide, so reset High Tide. Okay. But I've seen builds that are playing this like uh, like aggressively fill your graveyard type decks with. I've seen both uh, High Tide decks play for accumulated knowledge as a big draw engine, and then I've also seen a bunch play for predict because mission dr- briefing sets up your draw and of course uh, yeah yeah so you have all of these cards that incidentally fill your yard off of cantripping and then it made me wonder if visions of beyond if there's a show that doesn't have to that you know isn't in playing reset high tide which is like somewhat janky but kind of cool yeah i mean i think that the, the burn plan is probably your best bet um even if you just take out four cards from the burn deck like let's Let's real, look real fast at what what a burn deck looks like and what what you could possibly cut from, uh, you know, a a legacy burn deck, uh, that would that would make uh make you happy, right? Like, what like a sonic burst? This this guy's th- this is like a budget list, so uh, I'm I'm just trying to figure out what a burn deck even looks like because like this guy's playing four fire fire blast, which I don't think that that really happens as much. Uh, sonic yeah, burst isn't deep. played. Um, so this is, this is like looking at like the budgetiest budget of a, of this deck. Um, I mean, if we're in a world of, we're looking at trying to play a bunch of burn cards, uh, or like the, you know, the cheap bolts. Mm -hmm. Um, if we're looking to also turn on our visions of beyond and we're looking at things like the, the burn spells to change, to exchange cards. So bolt chain lightning, uh, you also have things like fiery temper, which, just become a bolt with madness. And if you're playing things like, uh, visions of, uh, not visions of beyond, um, faithless saluting 
or if you're looking for other like cheap one mana cards that fill your yard, uh, you also have the um, hapless researcher. I get that that we're going super jank, but that's yeah, like yeah, that's... exploring the ideas. <laughs> is interesting, right? like, if, because that card also puts two more cards in your yard for blue while setting up other things. Mm-hmm. You know, so just a bunch of cards just netting you cards in your yard. Like I remember thinking when Treasure Cruise was out, every spell you cast just became a Lotus Petal as well. Yeah. And so if you think of Thought Scour and Mental Note and all these cards as uh, you're trying to use them in ways that you're not forcing them into your deck, you actually want you want the the mill action of it. Yeah. Uh, but the idea that they become dark rituals as well, well when it comes to your ancestrals. Yeah. So looking at this uh, this list, which is a real like an actual real list at six owed uh, or uh, looks like six owed uh, one of the legacy challenges. Um, so you've got Flame Rift. Uh, as a one of, uh, you've got a Swiss of Firecraft, um, and, and Rift Bolt seem like the cards that like could, could be the easiest cards to cut, um, for, for a draw three. Um, I don't know that I necessarily would play four, uh, visions from beyond this deck to begin with. And there's also a Vortex that's, that's main in this particular list. Mm-hmm. So like you could probably play as a, a, as a three of, or like cut a price of progress. Price of progress has been kind of lackluster for a lot of people lately because people are playing basics again um with Deathrite shaman gone so uh i think uh yeah it it, it could be done but i th- i think i'd rather like even in the burn list i think i'd rather just play like this list doesn't have risk factor <laughs> i think i'd rather just play risk factor um yeah i mean i think like you're if you're looking to play a high volume game like uh, visions of beyond would incentivize you towards i think you like the deck that would actually want it is a deck that will be able to get to 20 cards in their yard, which makes me think that you want to be grinding. Yeah. Uh, just from um, me- mechanically, it makes me think that you want to grind unless you are straight up. I'm on like a turbo, like you're on like the blue red Delver list. That's also um, just trying to turbo out some graveyard shenanigan like Arclight Phoenix, where you w- would kind of be incentivized to want, the thought scours and shit. Yeah. Well, let's uh, let's talk about some of the other picks we have. Yeah. So we've also talked about Lazav. I mm-hmm. think Lazav the Multifarious plus um, Death Shadow or uh, Frexian Dreadnought is still just something that's really compelling. It's like if you're in the market for, for a Stifle deck, it's sort of the Delver deck anyway. You know, it's like you have your Delver Death Shadow build that would want Stifle. Uh, so if you're in your Stifle Days type deal where Lazav just becoming a Death Shadow or a Dreadnought is really, it's just like, like it seems like, in in theory, it seems like it could be just monstrously powerful, right? Yeah. Like, a, 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 you have your two mana 12-12s that are just fucking excellent, right? Like, and if you want to put your Dreadnought in your yard for Lazav, like it makes it so that Laz- the, the Dreadnought's not just dead in your hand if you don't have a Stifle. Because yeah. you can just cast it, put it into your yard, and then Lazav can just turn into it. So like the idea that you can just put it into your graveyard for the one mana that it costs and sacrifice it is awesome. And then if you just happen to have the Stifle, you just get to have it anyway. Yeah, and the only thing I can think of that that like this this deck suffers from is like more decks that are playing abrupt decay and uh assassin's trophy right now also obviously lazav isn't great against uh fatal push but um there are other things you can put in your yard this this deck could could go from from instead of just playing 
uh, Lazav and Dreadnought and Stifle. You have things like Cloudform. Cloudform's really good with Dreadnought. Yeah, I mean, you even have things like if you're on uh, Lazav, Death Shadow, and Dreadnought, and then you're playing the Stifles to go with the Dreadnought and then also just be a low to the ground strategy, mm-hmm. you can also just do things like Unearth. Yeah. You know, exactly. like unearthing your Lazav, getting the surveil, and like, you know, on two, uh, so essentially for two mana, if you have a Lazav and the Dreadnought in the yard, you just get to go unearth, get the surveil, and then end step also, and then also turn it into a 12 12. Yeah. It's which, actually pretty good. Which, you know, is fine later on too, because if you could also be in the world of, um, you know, the, the Death Shadow decks are already playing Reanimate. So if you're just like on Thought Scour, or, or, so you could play Reanimate instead of uh, Unearth, essentially, because you're only going to take one or two damage off either of those cards. And then if you're already on Thought Seize because you're playing Death Shadow, it's like you have like this. It's like essentially instead of playing the like Gurmag and whatnot, you're playing fucking 12 12s. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, obviously a world where 12 12s uh, uh, come into play on turn two is, is pretty good. Um, and uh, especially since like that deck is always looking to close the door fast anyway like there's never been a delver deck really that's or a delver style stifle deck that's trying to out card the opponent right like the game faster so a 12 mana or a 12 mana a 12 power trampler and having that in high volume on top of you know if you're just playing the cards that are good anyway to get your life total down and lazav's already in those colors for death shadow and now you were, your your deck is just like this in, like hugely powerful, uh, cheap creature suite on top of the spells that you would want to be playing anyway. And then if you need to like parry a little bit, like Lazav also fixes your draw and is a one three defender if you ever need it. You know? Yeah, I I would I would uh, I'd be interested in, in seeing what this deck looked like. Yeah, I I, I mean just you ha- I imagine it would have to start out with force uh, dreadnought. Death Shadows, Stifles, Thought Seizes, some number of the Lazavs, because that's the plan that you want to be on anyway. I would think mm-hmm. you would want four since they're blue and you can pitch them to force anyway. Yeah. Um, but also, if you just like, you know, if you find one, like that's awesome. And then you're still playing like Brainstorm Ponder, like all that good stuff, right? So, and then I imagine like your flex slots or the reanimates and then like some number of the removal spells to like, you know, dear your life total. You're probably still playing the, uh, Street Wraiths to also work with the Death Shadows. Yeah. But, I mean, if you have any of those things, just like Death Shadow plus a Lazav, and then you can just go wide and then not worry about, um, which about, like against the, the Swords to Plowshare decks where they make you gain a bunch of life, that's kind of like who cares when you have Lazav and Dreadnought to also turn your shit into, you know? Yeah, exactly. And uh, with that, you if you're playing Reanimate, you know, like, great, you just gained me a bunch of life, and then I'm just going to reanimate this thing back, you know, like... Yeah, uh, I think, like, also, people don't realize actually how powerful the, like, Surveil is yet, because it hasn't broken into Legacy. Yeah. Uh, but Lazav having just the ET bigger, ETB trigger of uh, Surveil 1 is also really powerful, uh, whether it's paired with a cantrip to clear some chafe, or setting up your draw for whatever you need. Like, having uh, just that incidental value as well is way more powerful than I think people realize. Yeah. Uh, as a dude who has cast many a Lazav so far, <laughs> trying to find trying to find a shell for him. 
Um, so, so that's 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 Lazav, and I'm sure that there are other shells too. I mean, that's just the easiest one to go to because it's the cheapest way to exploit his ability to turn into something else. Uh, for anybody who doesn't know what it is, I mean, we've been talking for a while, but it's a blue black one three that uh, ETB surveils for one, and then has X uh, turn Lazav into any creature card in your yard where X is the CMC of the creature in your graveyard. So. For one mana, you can turn it into a 12-12 Dreadnought, or for one mana, you can turn it into a Death Shadow, and that X is generic mana. So you could spend an island to turn it into a, uh, a Death Shadow in the yard. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I I personally think that th this is a card that's definitely exploitable. Like, it, it, it just it's a matter of time until we, we figure out a, a way to... Uh, keep keep Lazav on the board long enough really right like it's such a lightning rod that it might just be like we're gonna put Lazav into play we know he's gonna die but here's the other thing we're doing you know like there's there's got to be a there's got to be some sort of a, a a trick to that card yeah in my mind i was thinking that with the the stifle not style deck is that it's like when you had dreadnought and not stifle dreadnought just sucked right because mm -hmm. it did nothing so i'm thinking that with if you have Lazav, it kind of you know it gives you like that density of the card that you need to make it happen. So if yeah. you think of Lazav as like both Dreadnoughts five through eight, but then also essentially like Stifles five through eight because you can just cast the Dreadnought and let it die and then turn Lazav into it. Yeah. So the fact that it like doubles as both five through eight copies of both of those cards in terms of like getting your really really early twelve twelve onto the table. It's it's those types of things where you're then able to just race any deck because if you went, you know, turn one or turn two, 12, 12 trampler, like that's just a two turn clock like that you get to protect with days and force. Yeah. Um, all right. So what what other card uh, you have? A couple yeah, we spend a lot ones. of time on that, but I think that one's probably the most real yeah. of all these cards. Uh, the, the, like most immediately real, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the other, another card is uh, we've been talking about Psy uh, a bunch. Psy uh, Master Thopterist. He's shown up a bunch in sideboards. He did uh, top eight that Legacy GP in the Mono Blue Painter list as a three of. Uh, he's just really good in like the grindy matchups. I was trying to pair him with. Um, usually, he's obviously paired with Chalice because it's very easy to just go, you know, Tomb Chalice on one, play an island on the following turn, cast Psy plus other things, and start making Thopters. Yeah. Uh, I was trying to play him with um, uh, Re Retrofitter Foundry, which was a new card from the Commander set. It was a one-mana artifact that has a bunch of text, but it's uh, a bunch of activated abilities. It's three generic mana, untap Retrofitter Foundry, two generic mana, tap it, make a servo, 1-1. One, one. Uh, one generic mana, sacrifice a servo, make a 1-1 one, one Thopter that flies, and then tap, sack a Thopter, make a 4-4 four, four Construct. So it's a uh, essentially a built-in mana sink that just uh, makes a bunch of 1-1s, one 1-1 ones, one one flyers, or 4-4s. Four but with Psy, when you cast it, Psy just auto-makes Thopters. So you can just... If you go, if you go Psy plus... Long, yeah. yeah, if you go Psy plus Retrofitter Foundry, then you just start making free 4-4s four every time you cast an artifact. So Psy's on the table, cast Retrofitter, make a Thopter, tap immediately the Retrofitter, make that Thopter a 4-4. Four four. It also incident... Uh, uh, insulates those thopters and the servos from removal on the opposing side. You can also block and do all the sacrifice shenanigans to make sure people don't get lifelink and things like that. I thought it had enough utility. 
uh, I found that the the problem was that you're trying to find enough artifacts to play with Psy. And it was the same problem with the other decks, right? It's like you have this really powerful synergy, but because you're wanna you wanna be playing artifacts, it's kind of incentivizing you to move away from like the the blue shell that legacy sort of requires. And when you move away from Ponder Brainstorm, you're really, really, really incentivized to be playing Chalice. Yeah. But when you play Chalice, you can't be playing Retrofitter Foundry. Yeah. So it like sort of falls in this like middle ground. Um and I've been trying to make that deck happen for a while, but it's really just a matter of trying to figure out what artifacts uh you can play that don't just make you don't just auto put you at a disadvantage because you're not playing Ponder Brainstorm or Chalice. Uh, so you're if you're trying to go around those pillars, it's kind of tough. Uh, I haven't found it yet, but I think just seeing that Psy has put up results already and, you know, the more artifacts that get printed, just, you know, the more options that open up for him. He's also a card that I could see, uh, you know, he's just in the world of Young Pyromancer and Monastery Mentor, you know. Eventually, you'll just have a shell to build around him that that supports him. He's just a powerful enough card that, yeah, if you have the artifacts that you would already want to be playing to go with him, then it just becomes a very good, powerful card that, like we saw in the Painter deck, it was just a great way to also beat down when the combo didn't wouldn't come together, you know? Yeah. Um, uh, and then on to that, uh, that same artifact plan, a uh, card that has shown up a little bit in sideboards is uh, Karn Cyan of Urza. Um, I'm more so interested in hearing your thoughts on whether or not there's a Karn deck that mostly, instead of just being the value engine of, you know, four mana, six loyalty Planeswalker that keeps equity by just looking at the top two and getting a card, is exploiting the just making constructs. Because he comes in at five mana, and his minus two is just make a construct that's power and toughness is equal to the number of artifacts you control. Which means that at four mana, you can just minus him, make a construct, next turn minus him, make a construct, and he's still alive at one if he hasn't been fucked with. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, do you think there's a, a currently a world where that can be exploited in just making, you know, if you have your soul lands, just playing a bunch of powerful artifacts and then using Karn as a... Uh, a means to just like get your beatdowns on. Yeah, I'm honestly surprised that um, we're not seeing something like this in the uh, like in the Aldrazi decks at all. Like this is a fine card to play along alongside of those, and it's it's super powerful just to be able to draw extra cards, right? But on top of that, um, get, you know, like being able to make dudes in the late game against uh, against other control decks, like is is solid. Like I don't think I don't uh, understand why why we're not seeing this card more. Is it just a matter of that people are on Eldrazi because, you know, Smasher's stupid and uh, Thought Not Sierra's a design mistake and all these things instead of, you know, essentially playing like Steel Stompy or essentially trying to make Karn the legacy version of Shops where you're just like on four Lodestone Golem and a bunch of like Phyrexian Revokers and Ravagers and then just playing Karns? Well, I think that's what it is. I think that the design space for Eldrazi is is so uh tiny because you have the you have eight cards that you're just automatically playing right and then the other cards i don't know i i just don't feel that strongly about a lot of the other cards in the in those decks so i mean let's look at let's get a look at a uh what's called the um not the post deck but the stompy deck and um 
you know, I don't really feel like Memic is that great. I mean, yeah, you're going to have the occasional, like, turn two win off of Memic, but it's so rare. Um, you know, Mattery Shaper is fine. Um, Endbringer. Is Endbringer better than Karn? I I don't know. I don't think it is. I mean, I'm just thinking, like, if you're looking at the cards that are actually powerful in the deck, you have, like, Matter Shaper is garbage, and this one is super mediocre. Oh, Mimic God, yeah. is only Terrible. good in your, like, best draws. Uh, but then, like, Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher are super real, right? But mm -hmm. if you wanted to play Ballista, Ballista's super real. They're on four Ballista at this point because yeah. they're just on all of the Soul Lands. Like, isn't there a world where you could just port the Vintage deck and play four Ballista, four Hangerback, uh, four Karn, four Lodestone Golem, uh, four Ravager, and you're just like on the Mono Soul Land plan with your chalices, and then you can play shit like Jit if you wanted to, and like just go really, really big, like for cards that are super cheap on the Soul Land plan, and then Karn is just a way to recoup a bunch of cards. He makes fatter threats. Like you can be playing Revoker in that deck. I don't know. I'm kind of turning myself onto this deck, and I hate Chalice. Yeah, I mean, the, the Chalice allows you to get away with a lot of nonsense, and I think that's one of the things that, like, there's not a lot of Planeswalker hate on one mana, right? I think that's one of the reasons why why we play with creatures in a deck like this, is because the main ways to get rid of creatures are Swords, Push, you know, Lightning Bolt, and and yeah, all of those get turned off by Chalice. You're right. What's that? You're insulated against that if you're playing Ravager, right? Of course. Like, if you are... And also, you're insulated against that type of stuff if you're playing, if you're playing Hangerback Walker, too. And then all those cards work well where, like, Karn is also a threat or a draw engine, and then you just also get to play Lodestone Golem? Like, I don't know. All, like, all the cards that we're naming to pair alongside Karn just all sound like good cards by themselves. And, like, the deck, this deck is already, like, the Stompy deck is already playing three Mishra's Factory. Like, you're incentivized to do that, too, if you're on the Artifact Karn deck. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It seems like you're in, you're just trading the power of Thought Not Seer and Reality Smasher plus bad cards for nothing but good cards. Yeah, I mean, I think that, um, I think that what you're saying has, has value to it. I think that you could easily port this, this land land base and the chalices over to a completely different style of deck and maybe even throw in the thought not seer and reality smashers too and you'd still have a pretty a, a pretty solid deck if you if you switch it to like an affinity style deck essentially like what do you think is more powerful right now with the way the format is set up do you think thought not seer is more powerful or do you think lodestone golem is more powerful it's tough like if they if, if you look at the deck like the the one difference that this deck has that the other deck wouldn't is this deck also has the addition of Eldrazi Temple as a another soul land. Right? Yeah. You're, I mean, that's huge. Market, but if you're in the market for playing more artifacts, like, we're also in the world of, like, for the two mana, you could also be playing... I mean, I like the beatdown plan on Ravager plus um, whatever, but you could also be in a world of, if you're porting the vintage deck you could be over on what's the the three two that discounts your team oh uh chief of the foundry yeah foundry inspector right foundry inspector that's what it is yeah so if you're on that guy also like if you, that, that card 
I imagine is also super real as a way to turn on your cards. So your ballistas and your uh, hangerback walkers, you know, it's like on soul land plus land. If you have foundry inspector, you can still play them for X two and either mow down their team or have just an insane amount of blockers on top of, um, you know, you can curve it easily into lodestone golem without hitting an additional land drop. I don't know. Yeah, no, I think you're right. I, I I have no idea if that deck would be better than Eldrazi Stompy, but I would be super interested to see people build around it because in my mind, Karn is also great because he's not the type of Planeswalker where if you draw a bunch of them, they suck. Because you can just cash him in for multiple constructs and then cast the next one, you know? Yeah. So, like, the idea that he has, like, that Gideon effect, the ally of Zendikar, where people would just, like, get the emblem and play another one. Yeah. It's like, cash him in for multiple constructs, play the next one. Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, th- that it's a it's an area worth exploring at the very least. I think if the the top decks are going to be spell based decks like uh, Storm Miracles, Sneak and Show, then like the look of Lodestone Golem goes way up to me. Um, where like obviously having a four four that thought seizes them is obviously very good like thought not seer is one of the better cards to be playing um but i wonder if the having to play bad cards around it is just worse than if you got to play the good cards plus more good cards yeah i mean it's so tough right because like you have to play to to get to get ravager to be good you have to play some amount of artifacts so you'd have to be removing uh mimic reshaper and endless one um and, and going you're, from there the things that you get are revoker hanger backwalker <laughs> potentially foundry inspector you could also be playing phyrexian metamorph yeah uh, as just like additional ways to get more copies of everything right like um but then like that th- those types of things shore up a bunch of we i mean we see that like phyrexian revoker i get that like dnt is not showing up but if you think of like you still have Revoker and uh, Lodestone Golem as like essentially the same disruption suite that DNT had, but then instead of playing you know shit like the three three Angel and Mom, you're just playing Chalice and a bunch of fat resilient beaters. Yeah, I mean you can even take out the Temples and put in Rashidun ports. Yeah, I mean if you if you move up on, I mean you could just go to the full suite of Mistress Factory or add in more Manlands too. You know. Mm-hmm. Like, you could just move on up to playing, like, Ink Moth or Blink Moth, and then you can still do, like, the Ravager, put all my counters on my land. Oh, yeah, yeah. You You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. So, like, you could do that. You could also, like, be in a world if you wanted to be on Mox Diamond to accelerate any of that stuff, because then you can convert, like, later on artifacts into your Ravager. Like, putting your plus one, plus one counters is, like, I don't know. It seems like you have that modern deck, that uh, the, the counters modern deck. The, with the green enchantment uh hardened scales affinity and modern and then you have just shops and vintage and i'm like there's got to be a middle ground for that in legacy somewhere right like yeah i don't know i feel like and the, the just like your top end being lodestone and karn which are both essentially like could just be two drops i don't know like that that almost seems as as real as uh Lazava here. I don't know. I'm I'm definitely monologuing, and I, I, we're probably running long. <laughs> no, no, we're we're not running too long. But I do have to uh, leave soon. I've got a a bread in the oven that I have to uh, take out.
Yeah, dude. I mean, I, I'm I'm just talking like we're we're in the Brewers' paradise of the yeah, season. Of course, I'm, I'm fucking ready. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I guess uh that kind of that kind of does it for for the cast for the most part. I mean, there's some cards for the for the new set, from this latest set that that are interesting to look at, and and I think we're kind of just waiting to see what happens with the next set. See if there's anything anything that uh, shakes up the metagame at all. Yeah, like for sure. The w- one card I know I mentioned before that we would uh, throw out something for DNT players to take a look at. Uh, so we don't have to go into it. I just want people to take a look at this card because I know red white DNT started to pop up a little bit when people were grinding a little harder. They were playing like P and Kieran to like play a long game by bouncing it off of your Caracas and then just making a bunch of thopters and shit. Um, but I'd be really curious to see if any DNT players out there have been looking at Tajik Lesion's Edge from the new set as a way to just, you know, get your DNT fire back and just bring your beatdowns with that card. Because uh, it has a lot of stats and a lot of text that seems pretty good for Legacy. So Tajik Legion's Edge, take a look at that one. But we'll save that one for the next cast. Did I lose Zach? Zach, you there? Wow, and just like that, on the cast, he slams the guitar, and the show's over. So we'll see you uh, all guys next week. Thanks for listening. Uh, remember to head on over to our Patreon if you dig the cast. Yeah. Support the show that way. Um, I think we have a... Well, we got a piece of fan mail, which was pretty rad uh, this, oh, yeah? this week. Should we, should we close on that? Uh, yeah, that was pretty great. Uh, let me just... Uh that up uh someone hit us up on our patreon and uh just said that they appreciate the the talk for the drive home which is which is pretty great i think that's our first piece of uh actual fan mail um and we uh looks like we got a couple other uh we got uh jonathan peterson uh joined us and uh cory roth also joined us so thanks so much to those guys i think cory was the one who sent us the uh the um message Trying to look at our posts here. Um, no, I can't find it. Of course. Yeah, but we are uh, we're, we're we're gaining more and more momentum with uh, each cast, and the more people that are supporting us, and uh, we're getting to add more things to the cast, and we've been able to get more guests because of it. So, thanks everybody for yeah. uh, supporting us because we know that there's a a lot of magic content and a lot of podcasts out there, and we're happy that you're you're listening to us. Yeah, thanks so much. And I think uh, that'll do it for us this week. Um, Nate, Nate will be back next week for anybody who hates me and loves him. Which I <laughs> yeah, Nate's Nate's at Disney World with his kids. I was at Disney World last week, so I think Phil, you're up for Disney Disney World in like a couple of days, and then uh, you know we'll just keep rotating from there. Yeah, I'm going to Disney World right after this cast is over. Oh, great! So <laughs> living that dream. All right, uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, have a good weekend or week. Can you see any monster? Let's have a go. Keeping up with the Joneses. Stop, stop, any monster. Can you see any monster? Let's have a go. Keeping up with the Joneses. I'm keeping up with the Joneses. Keeping up with the Joneses. All right. Where does he get those wonderful toys? Eternal Dirtles is supported by Audible.com. If you'd like a free audiobook and start up a trial with Audible, you can go to 
audibletrial.com slash eternaldurtles, and they'll hook you up with a free book, and you'll be supporting the show. Thanks so much.